You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am one of your hosts, Derek, and I've got my other co-host with me here, Ryan. Hello. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Derek. And we are your Nicolas Cage movie review podcast, where we spin a wheel to find out which Nicolas Cage movie we're going to talk about next time on the show. In this episode, we are talking about the 2021 drama mystery, Pig, which is said to possibly be Nicolas Cage's best performance. It's his favorite performance, he said several times. And that's very interesting because we've also we've already seen Joe, which he claims to be his performance that is most like him in real life. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting point of comparison that we have. Uh, The movie Pig, however, is about a truffle hunter who lives alone in in the Oregon wilderness. and He must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. It is. That's that's the movie. Um, now, the way we do things here is Ryan takes diligent notes as we as he watches the movie. I just snack. And then uh, we go through those notes and talk about the film more or less in the order of events as they are portrayed to us. Correct. All right. Yeah. So. And I think it's important to say that that we've that this movie was pretty hyped. I mean, it wasn't when it came out it didn't do well at the box office and uh you know people weren't really sure i remember when the first trailer came out and it kind of made it look like john wick but with a pig and uh you know people started seeing it when it released and it it, like where they were people were talking about how great it was how he was going to win an oscar um you know so many things uh, he did not win an Oscar, but he was nominated, and he was the the movie was nominated for hundreds of awards. Um, I don't know the exact number of shirts on IMDb somewhere, but yeah, I mean, between Nick Cage and the movie overall, it was uh, it was yeah, well received uh, among critics. Yeah, it officially had seventy four nominations, and it won thirty seven times. Um, so yeah. this this was a highly regarded movie, even if he didn't win, you know, best actor necessarily, um, you know, at the Oscars. So right, and this was on a personal level. I had already seen this movie, so I knew what I was getting into. But Derek had not seen this movie and had been wanting to see this movie. So I I did it meet your expectations, Derek? Um, well, it did not meet my expectations because my expectations were off base, but I loved it. Yeah, because I I was under the impression that you mentioned. I thought this was John Wick, but with a pig, um, right. and that is not the right way to approach this no. movie. <laughs> but that's what the trailers made it look like. It was very weird. Um, I'm kind of, I'm I'm both like glad and a little sad that it's not that though, because I think the movie in my head would have been really fun too. But this was so different than what I'm used to seeing in general, let alone from Nick that. I really, I, I mean, I loved it. I was, I was completely enthralled by this movie. It is, it is beautifully shot. It is so just purposefully written and handled 
and there are just some gorgeous beautiful moments throughout this movie and it is it's a somber movie it's a sad movie um but it's so nice i thought what was interesting about it was that it was not it's not an action movie or anything right but it but it manages them to keep your attention the whole time um and it doesn't you know some of these movies it's a real stretch to get through and you know we're both like yawning and ready to be done with it by the end or maybe i am i don't know about you but <laughs> there's um, been sometimes <laughs> yeah uh but but this one was i mean by the time when the movie was over i was like okay wow i mean that did not feel like you know an hour and a half or two hours or whatever, however long it is because it does manage to hold your attention the whole time which is rare for me for not being like an action movie so Mm-hmm. there's a there's a tension that right. runs through the whole film where you feel like he could snap at any moment and this could take a sharp right turn um and so there's just this building tension that very rarely gets any type of break right it um, kind of just carries that tension through the whole movie there are a couple of scenes in this that are just some of my favorite nick cage scenes for like not even for stereotypical reasons they're just incredibly well orchestrated scenes just like from top to bottom yeah um i have a lot of good things to say about about this movie well and, we'll get to those yeah. scenes as we go through i imagine there, there, there um, are a couple of they probably things. match mine i i feel like there's probably. a couple the, the you and i have similar tastes on a lot of this stuff so i think we'll share those sentiments there are a couple of little pieces of trivia though that i think are noteworthy um one they had 20 days to make this movie. That's it. So they basically like had to get things right and then move on. Um, there wasn't multiple opportunities to do retakes or reshoots or anything like that. So 20 days, three weeks to make this movie. Um, the budget was so tight, they could not actually get a trained truffle pig. And so the pig bit him on multiple occasions. And he was actually quoted after getting a, a, what was a, a bad bite, quoted by saying, I've been set on fire. I've been flipped in cars, but it'll 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 be sepsis from a pig bite that kills me. <laughs> Luckily, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, so just a couple little interesting notes because this is a a really nice movie, and it shows you what you can do with a high quality team committed and an to the same goal. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, well, let's start at the beginning. Uh, the, the movie movie opens with uh, Nicolas Cage's character, who we know as Rob, in this first part of the movie, um, washing his dishes in a river, kind of establishing that he's a man of the land. Uh, he's not interested in modern amenities. He just, you know, does what he has to do with what he has, and he, he's happy in that life. Um, right after we get that scene, we get a... Uh, a message on the screen says part one we have three we have i think three parts in this movie mm-hmm. all named after food dishes which is kind of unclear why at this point um but the first part was called rustic mushroom tart um, which i is that supposed to be the dish that he makes yes for him okay. and his pig yeah okay yeah all of them all these uh parts relate to the things that happen food wise in that part so um so then we get a scene of him out uh in the land in the woods truffle hunting with his pig and this pig's pretty cute i like this pig 
I don't have strong feelings about. <laughs> okay, fair enough, Derek. So I'm a pig fan. I I don't have a lot of experience with pigs. It seemed like a perfectly fine pig. Yeah, but I mean, you didn't think it was cute. I'm not talking in terms of pigs. I'm you, you've seen cute animals before. I suppose. Okay, I mean, there I, you go. I, That's all I wanted. Okay. Um. So then we get a guy rolling up in a yellow Camaro. He's got this guy. It's it's established at this point that he has like a cabin in the woods that has like no power. Um, no, nothing. It's very small. It might even be just like a single room, from what right. I gather. And yeah, this this guy in a business suit rolls up in his yellow Camaro, brand new. So when the car first pulled up, I really thought I was like, "Oh man, they're getting started with this real fast." Because I thought that was going to be the pig the murder. Pig, yeah, I thought that's when it was happening. I was wrong. Yeah, it's yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so yeah, he gets the guy gets out of the car and walks up to him uh and starts talking to him and takes like a cooler and leaves him with like some bags um so you at this point the cooler he pulls out like some truffles and he's sniffing them and they're pretty sizable truffles i mean Mm -hmm. clearly this this man rob has a good lay of the land as far as truffles go i mean he's got a good spot and uh knows what he's doing for, for people who may not know, by the way, truffles are like the most sought after mushroom, like truffle oil, for example, and things like that are very high end ingredients used in like elegant restaurants for those who don't know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, he, he's talking to Rob the whole time and Rob does not respond in any way, doesn't even act like he notices him. And so uh, he says, like, see you next Thursday and walks away, gets in his car. Um and then we see Rob taking some batteries out of one of the bags and putting them into a uh, like an old boombox and putting a tape in that says for Rob. I think it's what it said. I, I don't have a note for that, but it says for Robin. Which, Robin. Yeah. yeah. But so which at this learned. point, yeah, we don't really know what's going on. You know, you get the idea that his name is probably Robin and Rob is short for that, but. Yeah, and so he plays the, the tape, and you hear like, a woman's voice, and she gets like two sentences in, and he has to shut it off. He he can't take it anymore. Um, so you get the idea that maybe something bad happened. Um, you know, if you're thinking this is going to be the John Wick movie, then at this point you would be like, oh, that's the that's the wife that died, and now he has to avenge her or something like that. Um, so they him and his pig go to bed, as you do. As you do, you know, and and we get we get the pig napping. Yeah, man, that it happens so fast. The and pig again, basically like gets up and is like making noise, and he's like, oh, "It's just the coyotes. It's just yeah. the coyotes. Calm down." Like this happens all the time, but it's not just the coyotes. It's you know people. And you know, as the audience, we're seeing like there's like flashlights outside and stuff, but he's not catching this because he's looking a different direction. Yeah, so I'm sure, you know, if this was an old school movie and you're at the theater, people would be yelling at the screen, behind you, behind you. But no. Right. Yeah, thank God there was nobody in my house doing that. <laughs> that would have freaked you out. If yeah, you for sure. Yeah, I'd be like, who's watching this movie through my front window? What the heck? Um, so yeah, he he tries to get up and stop them from whatever they're doing and gets conked on the head pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get it goes to black and we get the scene of him waking up. It's kind. Of, it's a pretty visceral scene because his head is like he got hit hard enough to be bleeding out of his head, and when he gets up, his head was like congealed to the floor. It was a gross. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was very realistic. Like, yes, kudos on that. But yeah, it was definitely gnarly. 
Um, and so, yeah, he gets up and, you know, he never at any point in this movie looks at himself in a mirror, I don't think. Um, so he's, you know, got blood all over him and everything else. And uh, he go- goes out to his truck. And so my next note was farm truck, because, you know, if anybody that that uh, lives out in the wilderness or has a farm needs to have a truck. And his it just happens to be covered with like a tarp and has no gas in it and he he, he, they make it clear that he does not leave this place very often and this truck has not been used in a very long time Mm -hmm. um so he puts gas in it and does all that stuff and gets it up and going and i mean it's smoking it's it's it sounds horrible um which i i also appreciated the realism in this moment too right because how many movies do we watch where a car has been sitting around for 10 20 years and they just throw some gas in and it's fine right and this one it's fine for like five minutes it doesn't sound fine but he gets it going (laughs) and he gets up the road and like there's smoke just coming out of the hood and it dies and he can't get to start again so he just starts walking uh and he walks into this diner and he asks if marcy's there i think her name was marcy um that's what my note says so hopefully that's right but anyway uh the lady at the diner says uh oh uh marcy died 10 years ago and again, this is all just establishing stuff to show how like this guy is a hermit and does not leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also for our bingo card, I thought this would qualify as an awkward diner scene because it was <laughs> awkward walking in and saying it's Marcy there and she's dead. Yeah, I mean, I I I think that that an argument could be made for that. I think you get the square anyway by the end of the movie. Yeah, but yeah, that's but true. yeah this would be. But, but I already yeah, have, this... we had already marked it at this point. <laughs> I mean, that's because I was like awkward diner scene. But I do think it's really important that this shows that this is this is a man who has been up in the woods by himself for at least a decade. Right. He doesn't come down. He doesn't talk to people other than, you know, this one guy, uh, Amir, who's played by Alex Wolf. Other than him, he probably doesn't see another human being. Yeah. And the the one thing i really like about this movie is how contrary it is to normal nick cage roles because mm-hmm. um you know people generally hire him because they want to see they want him to talk they want him to go through his full range of emotions in one sentence and that's like their favorite thing that's why you hire nick cage but in this movie he very much plays a character that's like someone we've all met in our lives that's uh doesn't talk and when they do you let li- you you want to listen and hear what they say because it's probably important mm-hmm. um and, and they did a really good job of making him feel like that person you know in this movie and you know whenever he talks it has some gravitas because he's not doing the typical nick cage thing he's not going through you know every every emotion on the rainbow um in one sentence he's he's being very purposeful with the things he says and the way he says it yes um, and it was he, he it was wonderful throughout the whole movie i mean i was just drawn to it everything is so deliberate in this movie like not just in the way he's delivering these lines but in the way the scenes are shot you know it's just it's all framed in these extremely purposeful ways there's a lot of close-up shots of him where you know like you were saying like he doesn't have a ton of lines right but he is just saying so much with the emotion on his face and, and his body language, just yeah. like the way he's carrying himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I just, we don't get to see him like this. We really don't. Not very and often. No, I think this is a good example of the range that he has. 
when you compare, if you were to watch this and say, you know, unbearable weight back to back, you know, it just kind of shows what he can do. So it makes me think of that the community episode where they're having the debate on whether he's a good actor or not. I think if the, this movie was out when that episode was made, that that wouldn't have been a debate. And I think that anybody that's still trying to like have that debate, whether he's a good actor or not, they're just trolling because he's clearly proven through 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 many movies that even if even if he does a hundred movies that are just like his typical KG stuff that everybody likes there's still going to be a handful of movies where he's not that and mm -hmm. he proves that he's a good actor. And this is definitely probably close to the pinnacle of those movies. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So to get back into the movie, he, uh, he calls the dude with the Camaro Amir mm -hmm. and Amir comes and picks him up. And uh, he's like, we got to find my pig. And Amir's like, why is this my problem? And uh, he's like, because, you know, you got sh you got people you're trying to deliver to. So Amir, at this point, is we kind of know that he's like a door-to-door -door salesman of truffles, essentially. He, like, goes and buys truffles from all these different people. And then he goes to the restaurants. Um, and around, I think this is around the time we find out that this is outside Portland. Mm -hmm. That is where he lives. It, everything that he sells all these truffles in Portland. Right. Um, so he's got a lot of connections, but uh it's kind of implied that rob is like his best guy that he gets the best truffles from so it's important that he has his pig to get these truffles continue getting the truffles for him the one part of the movie that like this is just probably my lack of knowledge on how this works is like it felt like the whole thing was a crime syndicate like this was all underground i think that's purposeful but like is it not legal to to get truffles like am i not understanding what the truffle business is i don't know <laughs> no i don't think it's illegal i think it's more just that it's a competitive business and like every restaurant like high-end restaurants want the freshest and the best ingredients and so you have multiple people like fighting to get that business you know yeah, and it, it sounds yeah. silly because it, it does seem like a crime syndicate in this movie and i think it's made to feel that way i don't know that it's like that in real life but uh you know in this movie it was totally fine i didn't have any issue with it it was uh no, I didn't have a problem with it. I was just, it made me think for a minute. Like, so all these, all these restaurants getting black market truffles is what it kind right. of felt like. It's not only really yeah. black market truffles, but it's truffles from like, uh, you know, farm to table type things where it's like, you know, these are wild truffles, the freshest. Never, yeah. like at one point, I think, I can't remember who says it, but somebody says that like the truffles that Amir has are never refrigerated. They're just literally straight from the ground to the restaurant. Yeah. You know, and so the fresher you get and it's super important to these restaurants. Um, so him and Amir go, he tells Amir what's going on and Amir takes him to this other vendor that he gets truffles from. And he asked, because I, I guess at some point Rob saw the truck. Mm -hmm. And so he tell he asked this person about the truck and the truck this person knows the truck um this is somebody that collects truffles for them apparently and uh and they're tweakers they're, they bring up that they're tweakers they're they're methamphetamine users or some sort of drug users and uh they were just you know they're doing whatever they have to do to get the next hit or get money for the next hit and so uh they the lady storms off and and goes with them to confront these tweakers about the pig um and so they get to the tweakers and the tweakers say oh we don't have it anymore we sold it 
you know, it's this guy in a black car. They're 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 portrayed as you know your typical kind of drug drug addict person that is so far gone that they can't remember anything, and you know they're literally just a, a hopeless addict at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's basically all they have to go on. Um, so and that was a, a businessman, a businessman in a black vehicle in Portland. Or so something along those lines. Anyway, uh, yeah. At this point, I, I have my notes that he is so disheveled because, like, constantly throughout this movie, as I mentioned earlier, there's not really any uh, mirrors that he cares to look into. He's literally just bloody, muddy. You know, he's his hair is crazy, his beard is crazy, like everything is crazy, um, and he's like that through the whole movie. I, I feel so sorry for the makeup people that had to, like, keep up continuity throughout the whole movie. Well, especially later very once, impressive. once he's got the cuts on his face and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, um, that's that's hard to keep going. Yeah, uh, so they start, he has an idea of somebody that he can ask about this. Uh, Robin does. Mm-hmm. And so he tells him to drive him to this place, and he talks to, to this dude, Edgar, I think is that his name? Yes. Yeah. And so he talks to Edgar and Edgar, he brings like it's very John Wick, you know, if you talk about like a hotel and he has to like the these special like assassin coins, except that he goes up to Edgar and he brings him this like styrofoam food truck food. Mm-hmm. And uh he Edgar like takes the time to open it and like smell it and take a bite of it. And uh Maybe he doesn't take a bite of it. He, he's very intimate with the food, essentially. Like, it, it's, it's intended to be something meaningful to him. You know, like, this is how he, how uh, Rob buys the time to talk to him and ask him the question. Um, but, yeah, he, he hands the, the the food back. And it's we kind of get some hints at, like, Rob's backstory at this point. Because he, you know, talks about how Rob's name used to mean something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now it doesn't. And he's not even worthy to get a question answered by this well, he guy. Even, he says the phrase, like, you don't even exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. He's like a ghost, essentially. Yeah. So clearly he was somebody somewhere for some reason. And right. that was a long time ago. At this point, we don't really know. Yeah. You know, it's still a mystery. Um. So so then Rob gets this idea or that any, you know, he gets in the car with Amir and Amir says, "Well, where are we go? Where are we going now?" And he says, "Well, we're just going to wait until midnight." And so they—it's implied that they wait a little while, but then they go to like this, this like restaurant storage area or something, and they have to like pull a bunch of shelves down and go through a hole in the wall. Um, and Amir has kind of like a breakdown at this point. He's like, "You're not communicating with me. You're not telling me anything." Uh, I'm not on the inside, you know, why is this in the loop in the loop? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you know, what, what's up with this pig? Why is this pig so important? I'll go buy you one. Do you fuck your pig? Like what's going on? (laughs) And and then we get this Nick Nick Cage, like kind of keeps working on what he's working on, but he tells him he doesn't fuck his pig. He says, I don't fuck my pig, which I thought was a funny Nick Cage line. Like if you look at all his lines and all his movies, that would be a really fun one to just kind of throw in there. Um, but yeah, he fills him in that uh, this is where it starts to get a little weird. And you're like, what is this movie? Because he, <laughs> he says that there's a underground fight club for restaurant workers. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And it's not Very really ex- a it's not really a fight club. No. Uh, they they go in there and uh, you know, everybody sees Rob and just kind of like there's a hush over the room and he goes and puts his name on the board and and some little guy comes out and uh like rolls up his sleeves and you think they're gonna fight but then the dude literally rob just stands there and let the guy beat the shit out of him so basically his rather than being a fight club it's more just like a place where somebody goes to pay money to beat the shit out of somebody well no so so is that not what it was not exactly so i did suss out the rules here so what happens is the there the smaller guy is like he's he's the enforcer he's the guy who's going to be doing the hitting and then another restaurant worker can come in and they have to stand there with their arms behind their back. And the idea is, is how long can if they, they last stay for a minute up? or whatever? Right. Yeah. Cause we get to see one other fight and the dude gets like a $500 payout or something like that. And so the longer you can last in the fight to stay up, right. The more money you you make and other people are putting bets down on this and stuff like that. And so they're that's, calling it a fight, but it's literally just how long you can stand up to getting the shit beat out of you. Yeah. Fight is a, used loosely. I'm not really sure if there's an appropriate term for it, but, but yeah. So how he, long you could be a punching bag for essentially. Right. And so this is where like, again, like I, I'm still trying to figure out at this point, cause he goes in and he writes his name and he writes it huge. Right. Right. And cause the guy had made a comment earlier on when, after he gave him the food and stuff, uh, Edgar made a comment to Amir. He's like, do you even know his real name? Right. Right. So at that point, like we're starting to think, okay, so he's not who he says he is or something like that. Right. So he writes his name up on the board and it's Robin Feld. Okay. But he writes it really big and everybody is like completely captivated by this and everybody's putting money down and stuff. And so this is where I'm like, okay, so maybe this is where the John Wick turn happens in the movie. Right. But, but no, he just gets like the shit beat out of him. Yeah. It's supposed to be for a minute, but the guy, like you can tell Edgar has some like joy in watching him get the crap beat out of him because he doesn't call it at a minute. He lets the timer go like a ways past that and then calls it. Yeah. Well, he stops the timer. And just doesn't tell anybody for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He clearly Edgar is hurt and we never really learn why, what happened there. Right. But Edgar is clearly hurt by Robin leaving whatever we we have yet to find out what world he has left. Right. Um, But he is in bad shape and he looks, he looks in bad shape the rest of the movie. He's got a huge cut on his cheek that swells up. Oh, right after this, like his whole, his whole, yeah. Like face is, looks like he got stung by like 20 bees and it's all blown out yeah it's it's gnarly it looked good though i mean the yeah oh i mean the makeup was really good yeah i yeah. didn't want to look at him i mean it was <laughs> nasty looking but mission um, accomplished <laughs> so yeah like you said he writes robin feld up on the board and, it, and i have my notes that he's like a legend to these people uh-huh. um but you still don't really get an explanation and uh, it's funny because like in retrospect, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to like figure out why I couldn't put certain pieces together. Right. Cause at this point we've got, okay. So part one, you know, is, is the name of food, right. It's rustic mushroom tart. Yeah. Right. And we're talking about, you know, all these truffles and this guy's been missing and he's does underground restaurant tour fighting. Right. Everybody knows his name. I'm still not putting any of these pieces together. <laughs> right. And I think that's reasonable. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing. But anyway, after he gets the shit beat out of him for like two minutes at least, uh, the Edgar hands him a folded up piece of paper. And so then we get part two, which is mom's French toast and deconstructed scallops. Yes. So um, oh, man. the next scene is basically 
uh, Rob waking up at Amir's apartment mm-hmm. and Amir is cooking him French toast, which is where that part of the um, where the part of that uh, part of the name comes from for this part of the movie. Um, and I will say that this is the scene where for me, the character of Amir changes from being this annoying, cocky, pretentious little dude to being like a fully fleshed out person. I think that's intentional, you know, for sure. Yeah, there's some really good stuff. He got some scene. backstory from about Rob. He, you know, it, until then they were essentially strangers that saw each other once a week. But he started to get more about Rob and realize that this person has like a complicated past. And that he's a part of that now and, you know, opens up. And we get some, yeah, we get some insight into Amir's life and, like, his relationship with his father. We find out that his father is a competitor of his, essentially. They both, like, find fresh ingredients and bring it to people. Um, we find out that Amir's mom committed suicide, which there's more on later. Right. Um, you know, we start kind of building out who this guy is and that maybe this f- is more of a front that Amir puts on and that he's not really this guy underneath. Right. So yeah, my no, first note from this was his face is messed up because this is like <laughs> when his face is full on like bloated, yeah. half of his jaw is completely knocked out. I mean, it's just really swollen and gnarly looking. But man, I think I've said gnarly three times gnarly, this podcast. Man. That's pretty good. I don't, get, <laughs> I don't get that much 80s uh, vernacular in this podcast, but I'm working on it. Anyway, um, yeah, we get the parents' story. Uh, it's I had he was a chef. His mom's committed suicide. I think that means his dad was a chef. Well, no. You know, at one point, who was the chef? Oh, oh, maybe that maybe that's talking about Rob. Yeah, yeah, because he gives him some advice on the French toast. He says to use stale bread, right, for the French toast, which I didn't know. So I'll yeah. keep that in mind, Rob. So we're supposed at this point we're starting to put the pieces together that he was a chef. Um, you know, we saw him cook that rustic uh, mushroom, mushroom tart, tart. Yes. in the first one, but we didn't realize how special it was. I guess at that point, I mean, um, and I guess we didn't really even. They talk do show about his. It. They do show him like the amount of care he's taking yeah. with it, and he's doing like very kind of textbook stuff, right? Like he makes the flour mound that he cracks the egg into, and right. you know, the way he works the dough and he layers it in the pan, like it's all very again methodical and deliberate, which is for me like. of this movie is extremely methodical and deliberate. And the way he makes that food is in the same kind of methodology of the film itself. My next note is earthquake story. Do you remember what that was? (laughs) I do. Yeah. So, so, uh, and there's a whole quote about it. So, so Rob starts, they're talking about, um, you know, their plans, right? They all, you know, that Amir's got the grand plan and everything like that. And Rob says, I'm going to paraphrase because it's a bit long, but basically every 200 years is a big earthquake on Mm. the Pacific coast and all of Portland is going to be completely underwater. Yeah. And that we're due for another one. Right. That one's coming up soon now. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a very, it's a very morose, dark story, right? Because you've got the people who are all going to die when the bridges collapse and stuff, but it's really the people who are left behind. They're going to get it the worst because they'll think that they've survived it. And then a 100 or 10 story tidal wave is going to come crashing down on them. You know, like this is like, this is a heavy movie led by a very heavy martyr type character. Yeah. And so after that, we see they, uh, I can't remember why they split up at this point, but Rob is walking down the street and he is like, I had casual house stalking as my next note because he was like hovering around this one house. (laughs) And like, 
creeps into the backyard. He sends Amir out to get a reservation at a restaurant. Oh, yeah, that's right. He says, I need a restaurant or I need a reservation here. Can you get it for me? And while that's happening, Rob is just kind of walking around. It was the restaurant that was on the piece of paper that he got from the fight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's the lead. Yeah. And so he he gets to this house and he I, I it's implied that he knows this house somehow. And so he starts like walking around. He walks into the backyard and just like sees a kid that's just like playing. The kid's the gotta be like six, eight, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. The kid looked like he was maybe two to me, but I <laughs> yes. you have a kid, so I feel like you know better than I do. But yeah, he's <laughs> he's talking to the kid and uh asks him, you know, about a tree that that used to be in the back of the house parsnip mm-hmm. was it a parsnip tree is a persimmon tree persimmon tree that's what it was yeah. parsnips don't grow on trees um <laughs> at least i don't think so i don't really know much about them but anyway yeah he asked about this this tree that used to be there and the kid doesn't know what a persimmon is so he describes it and the kid like asked him if his face hurts and he says yelp <laughs> But it's a really nice moment with the the kid. It's you know we get to see Rob with his guard down a little bit. I mean, look, um, I always like when Nick befriends a minor. Yeah, we did. I do have that on here too. Yeah, we we, we were going. <laughs> well, is he a friend? Is he a friend yet? Is he befriended? I, was like, I yeah, think it counts. Yeah. This counts. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice little moment where mm-hmm. you get to see a little bit of a different side of the character. Um, I'm a little sad that I'll never look out my back door and see my daughter making friends with Nick Cage. You might. I, I mean, it. never say never. <laughs> you should plant a persimmon tree in your backyard. That seems like that would help. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the uh, Amir does go get the reservation. Um, and we find out because he has to go to one of his people that he sells to mm-hmm. and who's friends with the owner of this restaurant. And uh, we find out that this restaurant is his dad's turf turf yeah like yeah. they've split he's, up he's, the city he's not supposed to be there yeah. selling and the guy the guy brings that up and he says oh i'm not i'm not selling i'm just going for lunch mm-hmm. and the guy still so, doesn't want to do it he offers him half off on the truffles which is a pretty big deal yeah well he says no until amir mentions who the reservation is for yeah, and he's starting to realize at this point how much weight that name carries in the restaurant industry in Portland. Um, but yeah, he mentions the name and the guy's like, yeah, no problem. And so then we get Eurydice, I think is the name of the restaurant. I, that sounds right, yeah. Um, but we get what is probably, for me, the strongest scene in the movie, and I'm sure for you too, <sighs> probably for most people. Dude, this scene is so good. It yeah. is so so good i love every single thing about this scene yeah oh my god so this is where the uh you know you remember the name of this was mom's french toast and deconstructed scallops right um so we had the french toast yes um (laughs) the the this restaurant is not like a restaurant i've ever been to it's basically it seems like you don't really order you're just you just receive whatever food is the inspiration of the day or whatever so it's a concept restaurant for for those who are familiar with the term right and i wish i had written down um what the dish was it was scallops um, of some kind but yeah it was like it had some long name it was just uh, she does this amazing 
Let's see. Yeah, where it's like smoked with like with like pine yes. wood. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, I got. So she comes to the table. And this is what she says. All right. Today's journey begins by uniting the depths of the sea with the riches of our forests. We've emulsified locally sourced scallops encased in a flash frozen seawater row blend on a bed of foraged huckleberry foam, all bathed in the smoke from Douglas fir cones. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's it, kind of like a fishbowl that she removes and there's all this smoke. smoke yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm, so I mean, it's a very fancy schmancy kind of place. Look, I I love food. I am a food guy. I appreciate expensive food. I don't go for like pretentious type stuff. And though. that's definitely what this is. Once you start talking about deconstructed, or you talk start talking about foam, if you if your if your dish includes a, a bacon foam or something like that, you've lost me at this. They point. didn't talk about deconstructed. Deconstructed is what Nick Cage's character did to the scallops. He deconstructed oh. the. Oh, he did deconstructed more than the scallops. Yeah, my that's true. But yeah, so uh, you know, it's this restaurant is all like a show, essentially. Yeah. Um, but exactly. and, and yeah, and not only everything you described, but when they she removed the smoke, there's literally like two scallops on each plate. Oh, it's so tiny. Yeah, yeah it's w- the world's smallest serving of scallops. This checks every box for me of a place I don't want to go eat at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And I think yeah. it's another example, like this, this whole restaurant, as we get to, when we get to, to chef Finway, all of this is about the facade that other people see. And yeah. Rob is basically the antithesis of everybody else. Yeah. Rob is the agent of chaos in everybody's life in this movie. Basically anybody he's interacting with is a different person after they've in- interacted with him in this movie. Well, arguably they're 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 closer to their truer self. They've right. all put on this act and he for whatever reason, right, has thrown that away and is just him. There is no right. facade anymore. So, yeah, through the scene, it's so uh, I think Rob tries one and then asks to see the chef. And so it turns out the chef was uh, a student of his. Uh, an and, employee. Or an employee. Yeah. yeah. And, and he recognizes him. It takes him a minute. He's like talking, explaining the dish. Or, or somebody asked something about truffles. Oh, yeah. Amir asked about truffles. Do you have any dishes with truffles? And he talks about the winter mm-hmm. selection that's coming up. And, uh, at some point he recognizes Rob and Rob starts asking him about like what his dream was. And his dream was to open a tavern. Mm-hmm. And Rob pub. knew this or yeah. pub. Yeah. That's what yeah. it was. I mean, same and difference. Yeah. Rob asks him, you know, cause Rob remembers him talking about his dreams. He said he fired him cause he always overcooked the pasta or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and but so when yeah. he fired him. He asked, what do you want to do? Right. And yeah. yeah, so he knows that it was a, a pub. And uh, so now you can see like this facade of this chef that's for all intents and purposes should be happy doing this. He's doing something pretty like different every day and getting to experiment. Um, but do it. It's not what he wants to do. You know, doing this pretentious food. He wants to do like a tavern or a pub with like pub food, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and have that kind of thing. Um but yeah, Rob kind of just tears him apart in the scene, but not in a mean way. He like makes him question. He he doesn't tell him anything essentially. He just makes the guy question 
every decision that he's made since he left Rob's re- or since he got fired from Rob's restaurant. The the technical aspects of this scene are superb, right? We keep getting these these side shots where it'll be just Amir or just Rob, and they're off center in these very kind of alone ways, very isolated shots. And every time we see Chef Finway, it's these very kind of he's got some exaggerated face on where he you know he's trying to um hide yeah 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 it's that actor did really well because you could tell he was like hiding and starting to like this real part of him he was trying starting to crack throughout this scene david mel i believe k-n-e-l-l it's a tough that's a tough i mean you can't just go to any actor and and tell them what this is going to be and then have them nail it but he did you could feel it We've all had that moment where we felt like, you know, we're hiding a part of ourselves and, you know, to have somebody start questioning things and make you feel like you don't know anymore. Um, it was it was, yeah, a great, great thing to watch. It's very powerful. And you, you see the facade on Fenway's face start to kind of crack. The, the smile gets more and more exaggerated, more and more Joker esque, you know, and it. On a personal level, the guy's first name is Derek. It's Derek Finway. Derek's my name, of course. And so, you know, I was taking that scene very seriously. And there's just some really, like, again, like very methodical way of handling the scene is, is Rob's questions, though. You know, um, very purposeful questions to, to get a specific reaction. There's, there's this just amazing exchange right at the end where he talks about, you know, he goes, Derek, why do you care about these people? They don't care about you. None of them. They don't even know you because you haven't shown them. And then, you know, he goes on a little bit longer. And at the end, he just goes, we don't get a lot of things to really care about. And that is such a good line delivered at like the perfect moment. Um, You're saying that line really touched you. Yeah. I mean, it's such, it is such a good monologue in a stellar scene right at for me like the crux of the film right this right here showed me exactly what the point of the movie was and also it kind of hints as to why rob is such a good chef because he really he he sees more than like what's there you know he he he's able to to see the sum of all the ingredients and what it's going to be um you know it, it yeah it showed that he had a lot of caring about his employees in a direct way, but then also about, you know, what they could be, what he, he, it's just a really great scene. It shows a lot of things. There's a lot of layers to the onion of the scene. Rob is an extremely empathetic character, right? Like to fire somebody because they're not doing a good job being a chef. Right. And, but also taking the care to ask, well, what is it that you want to be doing? How do you want to spend your career? And like, uh, not only like ask the question, but care enough to remember 15 years later is a big deal. Right. So, and and you, you kind of get the inkling that he has a pretty spectacular memory uh, through later in the movie. But yeah, it's, he, he clearly is a gifted, has a gift of a memory because he remembers like, I think it later in the movie, he says he remembers every meal he ever cooked for every person. He does. Yeah. When talking so, to uh, kind to of a Darius. photographic, photographic memory, but it's, um, it's, it's that empathy. It's that caring. It's that he has found his passion and what he cares about and what he cares for. 
And when he was doing that, when he was happy and he was doing that, that, you know, checked every possible box for him. Yeah. You know, throughout the scene, uh, we haven't really mentioned it, but he, towards the end, starts asking about a pig and, you know, trying to get information because Edgar pointed him here. So clearly somebody here has information about the pig. Um, and we find out through the scene that it was uh, that Amir's dad was behind the pig napping. Um, and there's a big breakdown between Amir and Rob. Um, yeah, and you know what's funny is this scene could have been very cagey because there's a lot of anger. And when you get these like strong emotions, that's like where Nick excels mm-hmm. um, but it's not cagey it doesn't feel cagey at all this rage that we're seeing um no, he's he's kicking in the side of the camaro he does yell once but it's a very like to me very personal painful yell it's not over the top it's not exaggerated it's not unearned it's a believable anger yes yeah which is you know not to say that cage's anger in other movies isn't believable but it can be over the top and that's what a lot of people pay the pay the money for but uh in this one it's very believable it didn't feel cagey at all um but yeah so he goes and steals a bike uh so yeah my next note was casual bike theft because he's just like walking down the street and sees a bike and starts riding it yep just a bicycle by the way not a motorcycle and after this happens uh yeah we see we see rob riding the bike away somewhere Probably to go confront the dad, I think is what he where he said at this point. And then we see Amir goes to uh someplace. We don't really know what it is, but he's communicating. He seems to be talking to his mother through a door. Um in you know, earlier he had mentioned that his mom committed suicide. Um the nurse like as he's having this conversation with his mom there's a nurse that walks up and asks if he wants to see her because they're getting ready to do something clean her trick clean her yeah and uh and he says no i don't want to but then when the door opens he looks in at her anyway so we learn that something clearly happened to her maybe she attempted that's what i took it as was she attempted suicide so he wasn't outright lying but uh you know she just wasn't successful But we don't really know for sure. Could we don't. Anything. Yeah, we don't get the details. Um, so Rob shows up at Amir's father's house, Darius. Darius, yep. And uh, it's a mansion. Yes, it's a very large house. This person is clearly doing well for themselves, um, and he's confronting him about the pig. And we get Darius is is a person that has been through a lot. He's you know, not scared to commit crimes to do the things that need to be done. He has plenty of money. He's pretty calm and collected for the most part. Nothing really phases him. You know, even when Rob gets emotional about it, it doesn't really phase him. Uh, He offers him $25,000. He said he'll bring $25,000 to him uh, the next day so he can go buy a new pig. Um. And he just kind of dismisses him and asks him to leave. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's a pretty good scene. I mean, Darius, he's played by Adam Arkin. Very believable performance. Uh, dude seems like a, a scary dude that you don't want to mess with. Right. Um, you know, I, I do question a little bit, like based on his resources, why he needed this dude's pig. 
maybe it was just a proof of I don't think he son. needed the pig. I think that but, it was more about taking the pig away from Rob. Yeah. So that he couldn't, his son couldn't get the truffles. And because man, these truffles that, are so big. Isn't that messed up? Um, like, it is. You know, uh, but yeah, it's it's an intense scene. Yeah. And he basically just wants to buy Rob out and, you know, threatens him at the end. He's like, I don't want to see you again kind of thing. Right. And when Rob leaves, uh, Amir is out in his beat up, now beat up Camaro um, <laughs> and says that he thought he might need a ride. Um, and at this point, we find out that Nat, Rob never needed a pig to find the truffles. Yeah, he makes a comment about how the trees tell you. The trees tell you, yeah, and that he the pig was more about companionship and he just loves that pig. Um, you know, which anybody with a dog or a cat that you really care about can relate to, you know, just because it's an animal doesn't mean that they're not important for you. And most uh most owners would do anything f- to help their animal. Yeah. Tarek can attest to that. <laughs> He's gone through some serious stuff with his. But yes. Um, yeah. So that's kind of a big reveal because now Amir feels like, why are we going what through have we all been this? Doing? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So at this point, we. Uh, but real quick, it does kind of feel like, again, like this is another opportunity where Rob is showing that, like, He's teaching Amir a lesson about living, right? About how to lead your life, right? That this has never been about getting truffles. This has been about who you care about, what you care about, and how you act in service of those people or things. Yeah. Right. Um, so at this point, we we see Rob gets an idea. Um, and so he... So I guess we didn't cover this really when we were talking about the scene at Amir's apartment. But basically, Amir talks about this one meal that his parents had before his mom committed suicide that they talked about for years, how amazing this meal was. Um, And it turns out that uh, Rob was the chef of that meal. Mm -hmm. Um, His parents fought all the time, but not that night. That night they came back and they were happy and they were talking about the food and and they talked about it for years after that. And uh, so at this point, Rob gets an idea and we get part three, which is a bird, a bottle and a salted baguette. So he sends uh, Amir out. to He makes him a list of ingredients and tells him to go. He doesn't really say it's ingredients. He just it's just kind of implied. But he says to go get these things. And Amir's like, I can't get these things. And he's like, just use my name and you'll get these things. And sure as heck, yeah, he shows up at these places and he uses his rob's name and he's able to get things um and we get a scene with rob going to get the bottle which was mentioned in that title the bird a bird a bottle and a salted baguette so rob goes to get the bottle and he's talking to um an older woman well no so so rob gets the baguette he also gets the bottle because he's talking doesn't he because no, the, he's talking to the old, older woman about Lori. no that's that's a mirror oh is it because it's at it's at a funeral home it's at oh, that's a, right. a cemetery and, and the then, few the wine is wine is like all in the basement it's it's Lori and rob's collection that she more or less inherited because rob disappeared essentially yeah. and um, rob wanted a specific bottle and had one and yeah. this is where we start to learn a little bit that you know Lori 
is dead. We're now supposed to assume that she is the voice on the cassette tape. Um, and that this woman has left the space next to her open for Rob in case he ever. Yeah. In the mausoleum. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we get a scene with Rob going to, which we, what we find to be later was the site of uh, his and Lori's restaurant, I believe. Yes. And that now is a bakery mm-hmm. um, run by one of clearly somebody who worked for him at that restaurant. Yeah, she must employee. have been a pastry chef or something like that. Yeah, and she, uh, she, he, the salted baguette was a part of something special that he had cooked, and uh, he asked her if she has any of those and if he's changed the, or if she's changed the recipe, and she says no, and so she gives him one of the baguettes, and then she pulls some other pastry off of a tray, and uh, he asks for a second one, which I thought was a little interesting. Uh, I'm assuming for Amir. Well, he gives it to Amir. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this is supposed to be the moment where you're realizing that like he cares. They have a bond now, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they get all the ingredients and they essentially break into <laughs> Amir's dad's house, Darius's house. Well, it's I wouldn't say that necessarily because the way Darius reacts initially to Amir certainly makes it sound like Amir is allowed to kind of come and go. Well, yeah, they clearly have a key. I mean, it's just, you know, he already told Rob to leave and not come back. Right. So Rob coming back, it seems like it's more close to breaking and entering than anything. But yeah, they did not actually break in. But just real quick, though, going back to the bakery for a moment, this is another really emotionally charged scene where Rob is with somebody like at a table. Right. We get we get like four of these, maybe maybe five throughout the whole movie, you know, and he says very little. What he does say is very kind of straight and to the point. There's no uh, you know, anger in his voice or anything like that. But you can see that she has a really strong connection to him. She cares about him a lot, that he meant he and Lori meant a lot to her. And now that she's taken over the spot, she still cares for him a great deal. She hugs him and everything like that. And it's just, again, it's another really nicely shot scene. It is pulling in ever so slowly as the two of them are talking, just getting a little bit closer over time. And the way it's shot is just really good. I love the way this movie is shot. Yeah. And he, and as he's walking out, he says, Oh, you took down the curtains. And he said, and she says, yeah, Lori always wanted them taken down. And so we took or something along those lines. There's a nice little moment about, you know, how she remembered what Lori liked and what they thought was best. And, and uh, Rob says, yeah, that was the right, right decision or something along those lines Uh, it's better this way yeah but uh yeah rob and amir break into well go into darius's house uninvited and uh it it appears that rob is teaching amir how to cook this dish which is the same dish that he made for darius and uh his wife many years ago and so they go through all this trouble and make this dish and uh amir goes and tells his dad to please just come out his dad is in his office working and he's just please come out there's a surprise for you or something along those we, lines we, 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 he says we made finally, he says, we made you dinner yeah we made you dinner and the way i think is what really draws darius out yeah and so he comes out and they lay the food very purposefully in front of him and uh rob pours the wine and he says uh amir found this Mm-hmm. implying that it's a very like hard to get vintage and uh 
Darius tries the food and he smells the wine and and has a sip of the wine and immediately like gets up and walks away and starts breaking down. Um, you know, kind of implying that the you know, and for all of us, I think it's true. There's certain things, certain smells, certain tastes that remind you of something that was maybe better or or just a really fond memory. Um, that can it can cause serious emotion, and it does in this case. Um, and through this exchange, uh, we find out that it is a very emotional dinner. I don't want to skip over it. The whole scene is very again very purposeful. Um, shot in a very purposeful way. Um, and yeah, it, it, that's how it ends up. Um, and he tells him to get out as he's kind of breaking down. Um, and Rob wants to know about his pig. And uh, Darius tells him that the tweakers were a little too rough with it and that the pig passed away. Um, and he's, you know, Rob just breaks down. It's the most emotion we really see out of Rob, other than maybe like the angry scene where he's kicking the car. But again, it does not feel like a typical cage scene. It's not like an overacted scene. It's just a like we've all seen somebody have an emotional breakdown, and that is it feels like a genuine emotional breakdown. Like you're watching somebody you care about break down. And again, very powerful. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of it, it, it's just, it's all so emotionally charged and it just builds and builds and builds, you know, things start very tense, getting Darius to come sit down, getting, you know, the, the, the table set and the food set and the drink pour, like it's the tension continues to build. And you're still, at least for me, I still wasn't sure which direction the scene was going to go. Was Darius going to flip out and like throw a punch or, you know, throw the food against the wall. Like I, I kept expecting, some chaotic explosion to occur. And instead the tension just keeps ramping up until there's this emotional collapse between the two of them, Darius and Rob in Darius's office. They're both extremely emotional, very distraught. Um, and they guess they kind of just come to an understanding that there's yeah. more, more to go. I have a quote that I don't remember. I think it was between Amir and Rob um, talking about, talking about the pig and what's going on and the rob says that if if i never came looking for her in my head she'd still be alive um and amir says but but she isn't well yeah right and it's, she, it's well, a really, he says she wouldn't be she wouldn't be yeah that's yeah. right and and it was just a pretty powerful exchange well because um, at this point so they they leave yes and amir is driving rob back home and they stop at the same diner that right. Rob stopped at at the beginning and they sit down to eat there, which is what I would consider to be no question an awkward diner scene. It's very quiet. He Amir asks for pie. She says they don't do pie, which I mean, no offense, but you're a diner, like make pie. Like, come right. on. Um, but uh, but yeah, it it again shows how far Rob and Amir have come. The two of them that Rob is able to say something so kind of vulnerable as to you know wishing he that that none of this would have happened so he could pretend that his pig was still alive alive, right but amir also being empathetic enough to to be kindly honest in this situation and say that it still wouldn't have changed anything yeah um 
it, it to me it's Amir. It's like it's one of the first times we see who Amir really is underneath all the bullshit. Right. You know. And then uh Rob says, I'm gonna walk the rest of the way. And uh Amir says, uh, I'll see you on Thursday. Well, at first Amir's worried. He's like, Are you are you okay? I think because yeah. at least for me, I was concerned that Rob was going to commit suicide himself. Yeah. Right? He, we don't know how Lori died or why. We know his pig is dead. And we know that for him, those that those that was his last kind of connection to the world. Right. So for me, I I was concerned too. And Amir seemed legitimately worried. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he says he's gonna walk and he tells him everything's fine and that he'll see him on Thursday. Something along those lines. I don't remember who says he'll see you on Thursday, but either way, that's that's the implication you get is that he's gonna still go find the truffles. And we get another scene at the same river that uh, was in the opening of the movie um, with Rob kind of washing his face while cleaning his hands. Um, and I'm sure there's some symbolism there, maybe a fresh start or something along those lines. I'm not quite sure, um, but it's a nice looking scene. Um, and he goes back to his cabin and he puts in the tape again and uh, he's able to listen to the whole tape this time. And again, that's like the end of the movie. Right. And to show, like, you know, again, how like deliberate and methodical things are, right? So he walks back into the cabin. The cabin doors open this whole time. He's been gone. Yeah. Uh, you see his pig's bed still sitting next to his bed. And he's, he looks at it, you know. He, he, yeah. He, he slowly takes his boots off. Like he, we're watching him unlace his boots, you know, like it's all so deliberate um, to just kind of show how thoughtful of a character Rob is. It like every action matters just like you know every everything he says matters he doesn't just speak to speak which i can't say for myself uh, yeah. <laughs> i can't say that for you either <laughs> this podcast uh, is a perfect example it is it really is but yeah that's that's uh that's how the movie ends with him listening to the tape the full tape of uh of his wife mm-hmm. you know who is no longer there um, so kind of a nice character moment that he has progressed now. He couldn't listen to the tape before, but now he can. Maybe it's because he's trying to feel a connection again because he doesn't have his pig. And that's like the last bit of connection to his wife. Who knows? But yeah, that's the end of the movie. And I, I thought it was a very fitting end that was in line with the tone of the film that feels appropriate. I was worried that we were going to end it with some like, Rob returns and opens a new restaurant kind of thing. And, you know, while that's not bad, of course, I don't think that really fit the tone as well as this did. Agreed. So that's the end of the movie. Uh, For those who, you know, may have streamed it or whatever, the Blu-ray menu is the, that the river just kind of flowing that you have at the beginning and the end of the film, which was kind of an interesting way to to kick things off and then end of course when you return to the to the menu at the be at the end of the film um just kind of bookended it nicely for me right so um, so yeah then now, we, now we gotta rate it you really yeah. enjoyed it i'm curious to see where you're gonna put it right so we we rate all of our movies on two scales zero through 20 overall quality and overall caginess zero is low 20 is high um 
I mean, I, I love this movie. I thought this movie was absolutely incredible across the board. Was this your favorite movie that we've watched so far? I don't know if it's my favorite. I think it's probably the best. It's probably the best. Because uh, Joe was was another one that like we didn't necessarily love because it's a very dark movie, but it's really, really good. I mean, we rated Joe somewhat high. Uh, the highest for me was Adaptation. Yeah, which was also um, a great movie. Which was really great. And, you know, it's tough, right? Because, you know, I, I hesitate to give any movie a zero or a 20. I hesitate right. to pick the top. But this was the best thing I've ever seen him in. It's arguably the best he's ever been in anything I've seen him in. Uh, and that's not to discredit some of his other movies like leaving Las Vegas or anything like that, where he is clearly stellar in it, but I, I loved this movie. And so for me, I think this is the bar. So I, I think I do have to give this a, a, from a quality standpoint, a 20. I do. Wow. I, there's nothing I would change about it. I don't have a single complaint or a single knock against it. I love everything about this movie and feel very content with it, which is a rare feeling. Um, I just don't know how he would top it. Yeah. I mean, for me, when we were coming up with the rating system for how we were going to do it on this podcast, uh, this movie was always going to be a 20 and a zero. You know, uh, when I was thinking about, uh, you know, like how we're going to rate movies it was always going to be when we're talking about his best movie it would this was going to be it and you know uh and then we were talking about how how cagey he was this is always going to be a zero for me or a one maybe because or whatever whatever our lowest one is because he's not cagey he's not the nicholas cage we know in this movie at all he's something much more interesting not more interesting there's not a nice way to say it i he's a he's a more developed this, this was kind of the culmination of a lot of different things that he'd done over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could tell that he really was happy to be in this place and be able to showcase this side of him. I mean, he, the word he used when asked about the role is seasoned. Yes, And I think that's, that's a good, great. aside yeah. from the fact that it also fits the tone of it being, you know, he's, he's a chef, right. right? I think it does fit though, right? This is an extremely well thought out role. It's deep. It's rich. It's nuanced. Um, the emote, like, because he doesn't have a ton of lines in this. Most of his performance is his face and his body language. And when he does talk, the way the lines are delivered are so purposeful that, yeah, I mean, it, this is on a different level from what we tend to see from him. Uh, and that's not to say that his other stuff is bad. He's got some great movies out there. Uh, and we've talked about some of them, you know, adaptation and leaving Las Vegas. Uh, the trust was actually surprisingly good. Moonstruck, of course. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I personally, I, re- I really liked his performance in the family man as, as much as that's not as, as serious of a, of a film. So, so yeah, I, I think 20 and zero are my numbers. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at, too. I mean, that's like I said, that was where when we were thinking about where the bar is, you know, what I've been trying to compare other movies to. That's basically where it's at um, for quality. I don't think there's going to be another movie that touches this one um, that's currently out. I mean, he could always top himself. Sure, sure. But uh, 
you know, if that happens, then we can adjust later. We have done that on some movies before. You know, as we see more, you know, our 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 knowledge of his range grows a little bit, and we've adjusted movies before. So if we have to adjust this a little bit, then maybe we will someday. But for now, I'd say, yeah, this is a twenty on on quality and a and a the lowest whatever is zero or one zero. on caginess. Yeah. Um. So yeah. yeah. I'll be curious to see what the opposite of that is. Uh, you know, like what's the, what's the twenty on caginess and a zero on quality? But um. I mean, from from what I'm understanding, it might be Willy's Wonderland. Uh, I haven't seen that one myself, no. but no, it's not that one. Okay, no, maybe Vampire's Kiss. Maybe we'll have to see. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I have a feeling I'm really I'm going to enjoy that one probably more than the average. But person. that doesn't that doesn't make it a good movie though. That's true. That's true. But anyway, yeah, I think staying focused on this one. Yeah, I, I think we're both in agreement on that one. I don't think there's any real argument that needs to be made no um no. so okay that's where i'll put it that's going to be its own little like dot way out there on yeah. our scale that's perfect i'm good with it so that is our benchmark uh 20 quality zero i bet joe is joe like the closest one to that because it was very uh, not cagey also um and we had joe... it rated pretty high joe is pretty close um let's see Joe is Joe won't be the the closest. There's one that's a little bit closer. I, I'd have to figure out what it is, but um, it might yeah. be leaving Las Vegas. It probably is no, because leaving Las Vegas had some some caginess that's to true. it. Uh, I think I don't know. I'd have to do some some checking. Okay, but, I was just curious. Yeah, I think I think it actually. You know what? I think it's an outlier. Yeah, it's Teen Titans go to the movies because he doesn't, oh, okay. yeah. he doesn't have a large enough role to really get too cagey with it. And That's so the right. caginess is very low. So really Joe from like an actual starring role perspective, right. uh, Joe and uh, Adaptation are both equally close in two different ways. And it, and it makes sense to me because like if somebody said, man, I really like Joe, what what movies should I watch of Nick Cage's? You know, the the other two would be the instant recommends or, or vice versa on any of them. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. So that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the last thing that we have to do then here is we just have to figure out what movie is going to replace Pig on our wheel o cage. And that movie is going to be the movie Snowden. Okay. Snowden. So Snowden's joining the wheel to find out what Nicolas Cage movie we're going to talk about next. Go to comingofcage.com and watch our latest Wheel O Cage to see what shows up on our spin. Of course, you can find our show on your podcast app of choice. You can watch us on our YouTube channel if you want to see our beautiful faces as we talk about Nicolas Cage. Uh, Ryan, anything else for Pig? Go check it out. You know, it's uh, it's not a fun movie, but it's one that's definitely worth watching. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, that's it. That's it for us. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. We'll see you after our truffle hunt.